Welcome to the Rural Health Voice, Episode 63, Unite Virginia. I am Beth O'Connor, your host. We discuss rural health issues at the grassroots level and how state and federal policies play out in our local communities. What's a great way to make sure people in your community get access to all of the services they need? Laura Thompson, Community Engagement Manager from Unite Virginia, joined me to discuss their new service and how you can get involved. So welcome, Laura. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, it's so great to have you here. Now, my understanding is that you grew up in Southwest Virginia. Tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, so my roots do run deep in Southwest Virginia. Um, I am actually one generation out from poverty. Um, so my family um, comes from very far Southwest Virginia in a very rural and poor upbringing. My mom was one of six kids <laughs> that grew up in a very small town called Glade Spring, Virginia. And um, her dad was a hog farmer. <laughs> and um, they resided in a very small clapboard home, no running water or bathroom. They legit had an outhouse. <laughs> and my dad was one of 12 kids um, from Lee County County and lived in the very same circumstances as my mom. His dad was a coal miner. And so they kind of bumped around to different coal mining areas um, and, you know, just kind of we're, we're transient a little bit. Um, but he had two options and it was either become a coal miner or enlist in the military. So he enlisted in the military and actually had a very successful career in the Navy for over 20 years. And um, yeah, but we, you know, I definitely love Southwest Virginia because it's where my heart is. And that's where, you know, I feel like my history really stems from. Sure. And some very humble beginnings. You are now working with Unitas Virginia. And we're going to talk about that today. So just basic background. How is Unitas Virginia different from like any other online resource directory? So a couple of the differentiators is one, and it's my favorite thing about Unitas, is that the community engagement managers all have local roots. That is one of the main factors that I see as the biggest one um, that sets us apart in this industry. Um, we have lived and worked directly in the communities we are serving. We are not in another state. We are here and we have roots in our communities. We have worked alongside the community-based organizations we are onboarding. We have walked the walk. We have been boots on the ground, in the trenches, working with those in need. We understand the intricacies of each community and region from my own family history and firsthand experience, I can tell you that the struggles we experience in rural Southwest Virginia are not the same struggles that you see in bigger cities and vice versa. Uh, the community engagement managers are in tune with what the communities need and that becomes the foundation for our strategies to build meaningful relationships and partnerships. Even after an organization onboards and begins using the platform, I always tell them I do not go anywhere. <laughs> I am here for the long haul. And we check in with our organizations and really develop relationships. Um, I've even been known to have um, Zoom coffee chats with some of my organizations because sometimes you just need to connect and say, me too, I've been there, I've been working in your shoes and I'm here. And you mentioned Southwest Virginia a couple of times, but this is a statewide effort, right? Statewide, yes, we are statewide. And as of today, we are about 75% um, 
across the state of Virginia, and we are hoping to be 100% by the end of the year. And this really came about um, because Unite Virginia represents an expansion of three local networks and builds an earlier planning um, led by partnering for a healthy Virginia prior to the pandemic start. We um, received um, partnerships with uh, Virginia Secretary of Health and Human Resources, Virginia Departments of Health and Social Services, Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association, and Virginia Mental Health uh, Access Program. And we also have funders like Kaiser Permanente, Ballot Health, and Optima Health. So why are those organizations providing funding? What's the benefit for them? So this came out um, from the governor of Virginia through CARES Act funding. He really wanted um, to build a platform for those in need because he saw firsthand that those um, in need were really struggling even harder with COVID and the impacts of COVID. So his idea was to let's create an infrastructure across the state to where we can make secure um, referrals for those in need. And your website describes Unite Virginia as a coordinated care network. Yes. What does that really mean in practical terms? I always say it's a wraparound care model. We're not wanting to just put a Band-Aid on things. We want to get to the root cause. We want to help people get back on their feet and get to the foundational issues, which means if you have a family that's struggling with food insecurity, we don't, it's, you know, great to make a referral to a food bank, but what's the underlying causes? You know, is it that someone lost a job? Is it that they don't know about benefits that they technically qualify for? So we're hoping that, you know, organizations within our network will start talking to one another and we can actually get them back on their feet completely. So that brings to mind, you know, in recent years, there have been considerable focus on what we call the social determinants of health. The concept that access to health care is only one aspect of being healthy. We know that people need more than just a primary care provider. They also need access to affordable housing, a good job, clean water, healthy food. How do those needs fit into what Unite Virginia is striving to do? We're here to meet them all. We want to address all the social determinants of health needs. But we're hoping that the case managers really begin connecting with other case managers at other organizations. For instance, if you have a mental health um, worker, they're making a referral to a food bank. We're hoping that that food bank case worker will then begin communicating and vice versa. But for rural communities, a major access barrier is the lack of services. How do you, how do you refer someone to assistance for food or housing or childcare when those services don't exist? No, you're absolutely right. In rural Virginia and Northeast Tennessee, um, we have a huge gap in certain services, you know, lack of substance abuse, um, lack of behavioral health resources, even lack of transportation um, just due to geographic challenges. Um, our hope is that we're starting those conversations. We're starting those conversations with our physicians. We're trying to work with physicians at the different hospital systems like Ballad like Centera and Carillion, to begin um, having them do community outreach as well with us and utilizing our platform. And so we're hoping that with the data that we also collect from the referrals, that we'll be able to kind of, you know, raise our hand and say, hey, this area has a deficiency. 
with this specific service and we need help over here. We need additional resources. And so it will help organizations with writing to RFPs or additional resources to be able to really, you know, say, hey, this is the data, this is the work that we're doing and we need help. And so hopefully get them that help they need. Who do you want to join Unite Virginia? We want any community-based organization to join. We want non-traditional, you know, we're not just talking food banks or anything like that. We want faith-based organizations. We want anyone who's offering help and, and service to anyone. It can even be a barbershop because we use this example a lot that, you know, the barbershops are often the eyes and the ears of a community and who better to make a referral for someone in need, you know, than the person who's just heard that story. So if, you know, whether that's the barbershop or the local hospital, if they join, what, what are they getting out of it? Are there, are there other benefits that we need to know about? Absolutely. So one, they're really able to collect data. So we hear a lot about data. And what we're doing is we're collecting, you know, when I specifically talk about community-based organizations, I always say that we're, we're collecting your story. We're collecting your community story. We're collecting your organization's story. And then you're going to better know, you know, are there are there other deficiencies within our own organization that we can try to build upon? You know, what what other resources do we need? And, you know, who are we who are we servicing? What does our community really look like? And once they join, then what are they paying for those services? So one, what's really nice is that in Virginia, community-based organizations and some of those organizations considered part of a safety net do not pay anything. This is free. And that is in, in part because of the partnership um, with the state, um, with uh, hospitals and other large health systems. They are often just paying for integration, you know, with their EHR, larger data sets and other functionalities. Now, I was looking at your website and I see up front there are two options, one to join the network, which is what we've been talking about, and one to get help. What does the get help option do for people? So with the Get Help button, this opens an opportunity for someone who may not have a case manager or be working with another community-based organization. They can simply go onto our site and be able to check a few buttons. And that referral um, for the SDOH name goes to one of our Network Hub support members who they are amazing. And so they become kind of this... Um, temporary case manager for this individual in need, and they actually direct um, that referral to the appropriate organization for them. So even though right now the Get Help option lists very few communities in Virginia, the person who clicks Get Help can still be referred to additional assistance. Correct. That is absolutely correct. The difficulty that I've seen in any sort of community resource directory is just trying to keep it up to date. Small organizations often make changes with little warning or communication. How is Unitas Virginia going to know that, say, a local food bank changes hours from 9 to 12 on Tuesdays to 3 to 6 on Thursdays? So part of the uniqueness about Unitas is that every organization completes a partner registration form. And I always say this is twofold for the organization. One, we collect information from that to be able to build out your organization. It's gonna list the summary, the contact information, um, the list of programs and the criteria for those programs. But it's also an acknowledgement that you are joining the network. 
that is what I love <laughs> about Unitas is that every organization that completes a partner registration form, they know they're a part of the network. They know that they are joining something and there are accountability factors, you know, and time timeframes to answer referrals and things like that. But the organizations themselves actually have full access to update their own profiles in the in the system, um, or we can help them with that. But that's part of that um, partner registration form and joining the network is the criteria to keep your information up to date. And as a community engagement manager, we're in constant contact with the organizations. Um, so we are also kind of on the pulse of that as well, of understanding has there been turnover or changes within the organization. And in your marketing materials, you put a lot of emphasis on the platform being HIPAA compliant, which yes. is great. But how does that work with a small community-based organization that doesn't normally think of HIPAA because they don't provide health care? You know, maybe they don't have a secure internet access, or they might even be relying on volunteers using their own computers. Right. So we have a consent form that's actually built into the platform. And um, it's a short one-time consent. And what it's doing is it's allowing um, the individual in need to understand that a referral is gonna be made on their behalf. And utilizing our system, no referral can be made without that consent on form because you know HIPAA, privacy, everything, it's very important to unite us. And we're, you know, we consider ourselves leaders when it comes to that because we are so much more than even HIPAA. Um, we are HIPAA, FERPA, FIPS, 42 CFR and SOC 2 compliant, and we even have our high trust certification. And I know that's a lot of acronyms, um, but what that means is we are trying to cover and ensure that everyone's protected as they're making referrals, and it is stored in our system. And obviously, all of this is web based. Correct. For both community organizations and unfortunately, even some rural healthcare providers, how are you working around barriers to internet access? Right. So I'm really glad that you asked this because we have really tried to keep a pulse on this as well. Um, so the people using our technology, our social workers, care coordinators and such, um, who work in health and social care settings, while there may be more, they may be more likely to have access at an office or through their employer, we know that there are limitations, and in these situations, the person or provider uh, using the Unitas platform may rely, rely on paper-based consent, screenings, or other documentation that can later be uploaded into the platform. But we're also you know, seeing more and more solutions around broad, broadband access, especially in response to the pandemic and shining the light on significant gaps in our technical infrastructure in rural communities. Uh, hotspots are an option when uh, cell service is available. And of course, Governor Northam's uh, 700 million investment uh, in broadband access for rural communities using the American Rescue Plan funds is pretty historic. And we're kind of leaning in on that and trying to help any way we can with raising that hand of, you know, this is an area that this might be, we, we may need to hurry things up over here. <laughs> If a healthcare provider or community entity has heard all of this and is interested, what's the next step? So the next step would be that you would want to complete a partner registration form. And I believe there will be a link um, embedded into the description of this podcast. We will. Um, <laughs> um, but also I would love for um, anybody to email me and um, 
that's because we love that one-on-one interaction. Um, It really allows us to, one, get to know you, get to know your organization, understand your programs and your services, but also we can help with that workflow process planning. So we would be able to say, okay, tell me now what you're doing. What is your staff doing to do referrals? Because we want this to be seamless and we don't want it to be a headache at all. So we're going to come in and we're going to help with helping you understand how you can implement this and, and just do it in a way that staff, you know, it, it, it's ease. And, I, you know, the platform itself is very intuitive and user-friendly. So last question, the question I ask all my guests, if you could do anything, what would you do to improve health and health care in rural America? Oh, wow. That's a big one. That's it's a, a big, big question. <laughs> Well, one, you know, I'll start off. I have this quote that I keep um, on my desk, and it's from May um, Humiston, and it says, Appalachia doesn't need saving. It needs solidarity. And so the more that I feel that I can raise my voice, and I also have a counterpart, um, she's a community engagement manager in Northeast Tennessee, Mallory, the more that we can raise our voices, the more that we can do. And it's it's all about understanding the needs and being willing to help, being willing to listen and just being genuine and authentic um, because this is an area that feels left behind at times. They feel left behind. And that is the last thing we want anyone feeling. So we want every organization and we want those in need in rural communities to know that we hear you, we see you, and we're working with you. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Laura. Thank you for having me. That's Laura Thompson emphasizing the need for all voices to be heard. If you want to be part of the conversation about rural health, make sure you register for the Rural Health Voice Conference. There will be a wide variety of both plenary sessions and interactive discussion at our virtual event. The Rural Health Voice is the podcast of the Virginia Rural Health Association. It is sponsored by the Virginia State Office of Rural Health and underwritten by the National Rural Health Association.